0: going to activate our faith tonight is anyone ready to have faith stirred good some of you is anyone ready to have faith stirred now did you notice I didn't say your faith stirred because tonight we're going to stir Christ's faith in us Christ's faith in us because you know what if we rely on our faith if I rely on Sally's faith we're going to hit a limit I don't know where your limit is, but sometimes our limit is at a headache or a little sore finger. Sometimes our limit is perhaps at a family member who's, you know, just needs a little bit of help. But faith comes from Jesus Christ. And so tonight I want to stir Christ's faith in us. I'm not preaching to you tonight. I'm preaching to the choir tonight. So that includes me. Oh, hang on, just got to open the lid without spilling it. It's coming. Oh, it did spill. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can I have a tissue, please? I just made a mess. That's okay, that's what I do. Oh, thank you. Now, for all of you in the room who think preachers are never klutzers, you can feel much better about yourself when you do something like that in the future. Praise God. But you know what? That doesn't change anything God wants to do. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's open our Bibles. If you've got them, or your iPhone, or your Android, if you like me. To Matthew chapter 17. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 1. I'm going to read a good chunk of scripture. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them, talking about Jesus. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Now we're going to read through this, but don't miss what's happening here. Don't miss what's happening here. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. We're going to skip down to verse 14. And they come down the mountain with Jesus now. And when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. No one's amening this scripture. It's super encouraging. You, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long, whoops, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, some of you might be thinking, hang on, she's just read two different stories. So I'm going to ask you to go on a little journey with me here while I link them together. Because everything in Scripture is connected. The whole book is a story from beginning to end, of course, about God's love for us. And many other themes woven in there. But I just want to pull out a few things from this story. And tonight we're going to talk about faith up the mountain. Faith up the mountain. Now, Jesus led his disciples up a high mountain. Has anyone ever climbed a high mountain here before? A few of you. How high? (laughs) Uh, More than three metres. Mount Monganui? I don't even know where that is. It's surprising I can even say that. Good job. Thank you. That's only because someone repeated it first. (laughs) See, when we go up a high mountain, it takes effort. There's some pressing in that is required. Jesus took his disciples up a high mountain and there before them, he was transfigured. They actually got a taste of his glory, of his glory as he is now in heaven, as he still was, but he was there as a man. And the fascinating thing to me is now, of course, Matthew's writing this book, not Peter, James and John. And I wonder what Peter, James and John's version of the story is. I always think that things like this. But it doesn't say that they fell down amazed at Jesus' glory when they saw it. And perhaps they were so familiar with Jesus that they didn't actually acknowledge what was happening right there in front of them or didn't even understand it. Or perhaps they just felt they couldn't explain it to the other disciples. But this whole imagery of up the mountain is about us coming up the mountain of intimacy with God. It's about us coming up to a place where we're looking down from heaven's perspective to earth rather than just seeing our natural perspective. Jesus often went up the mountain to pray. He often went by himself to lonely places to pray. And when we talk about going up the mountain, it's very important tonight because we're going to activate some faith very soon. It's very important that we not get into striving. But there is a big difference between striving in our own strength and pressing into what God has for us. And sometimes we don't press in because it can seem like it's just for other people. Jesus only took three disciples up there. I have to wonder what the rest who were left behind thought. And sometimes we think that whole up the mountain experience is just for our pastors and leaders. And it's not. It's not just for special people who have special ministry calls. Going into that place of intimacy with God like we lingered in his presence here tonight is for every believer every day of your life. And the reason why these stories are linked is this. You can't move the mountain until you go up the mountain. You can't move the mountain until you go up the mountain. Because up the mountain is where we receive revelation of who Jesus is. When we're down the bottom of the mountain, we're seeing our problems. Up the mountain is where God shows us who He is and who our identity is in Him. And that's why we go up the mountain every day. And there are times to press in even further up the mountain because that's where we receive revelation. It doesn't speak of striving, but rather an earnestness in seeking his face. And Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Yeah. Impossible. Impossible. Jesus said nothing is impossible. But then the author of Hebrews said, It's impossible to please God without faith. Why? Because it's about pressing in. Pressing in. For he who comes to God must believe that he, God is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What is that reward? It's actually experiencing every spiritual blessing that's available to us. It's experiencing the love and the joy and the peace of God truly overflowing in our hearts and from our hearts. And so when we press in to have those moments of hungering in his presence and lingering there and going, God, would you show me from your mountaintop perspective, not from mine, but from your kingdom to earth, not me looking up to heaven. Going up the mountain is about us seeing what God sees. What God sees. You can't move the mountain until you've been up the mountain. You see, going up the mountain requires us to live by faith, not by sight. Not by sight. Do you know that in the natural world, about 80% of what we receive, what we perceive, what we learn and understand is through our natural vision? About 80%. And so some of you might be thinking, why do we close our eyes when we worship? We don't actually do it to make ourselves holy. Or righteous, We don't do it to make ourselves look good. If you're wondering why I stood up here with my eyes shut as we're worshipping, it's not because I'm scared to look at you. You're not that scary. Why do I shut my eyes? It's because with my natural sight, I see natural things. I shut my eyes so that I rely on spiritual sight. And so our natural vision often inhibits our faith because we are seeing what's all around us. And so going up the mountain is the imagery of actually closing out that which is in the natural realm and stepping in to the spiritual realm which is a reality. It's not some mystical thing we try and grasp, which is slippery and we're not even sure what it is and it's weird and only certain people with certain gifts can get there. No, the spirit realm is actually the first realm. You were spirit before you were body. Lord says before you were even conceived, I knew you because we are spirit. Our spirit is eternal. And so closing our eyes to the things of the natural, both when we close our eyes, but also going up the mountain is a metaphor of us leaning into what the Spirit has to say to us. It's going up into His mountain to receive a more clearer revelation of who Jesus is. That He is on the throne, that He has given us all authority and that He wants us to walk in that authority. Take steps of faith. So we walk by faith and not by sight. Or we live by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11 verse 1, and most of you would know this scripture. You can probably quote it to me, although if we did, we'd probably have four different versions going at the same time. So we'll try it, and you can just do it in your version. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Well, it depends on your version. So that was pretty good, though. Now, I don't know if you picked up on that. Faith has a substance to it. And what is the substance? Jesus Christ. It's not our substance. You know, anytime you look at a man or a woman and you go, they're a man or woman of great faith, it's not of great faith in themselves. It's that they have learned to have a great faith in the one who is the God of the impossible. It's actually less of me, more of God. I'm standing up here declaring that we're gonna see miracles tonight, not because I'm anything special in myself, but because I have a confidence in the God of the impossible. You know, God's, Jesus says in this scripture, you can move mountains. You can speak to a mountain. Now there is no record in scriptures of Jesus ever moving a mountain. Unless there's something I missed. Did I miss something? You think I'm right? Good. Just, just correct me quietly later if I'm wrong. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) But there's there is so many other stories of the miracles he did. Walking on water changing, water, changing the water into wine, healing people, raising the dead, casting out demons. And what does Jesus say? For you who believe, these are the signs that will follow. You'll speak in tongues. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You'll even drink poison and it won't affect you. You'll cast out the demons. And so when Jesus says, You can move mountains. I believe what he was saying is this. Because he says at another time, you will do even greater things than this. And what is that? When that scripture says, faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Jesus was speaking the evidence of what was currently not seen. Are you following me? He was speaking truth into what wasn't seen. And as believers, we tend to focus on what is seen as the truth. And so when Jesus says, these things you will do even greater, what we tend to do is go, oh my gosh, you know, am I, am I going to raise the dead? Can I even do that? Well, you can't in your own power. But Jesus said it. Whether we believe it and step out in faith is another thing. We often focus on faith in conjunction with outcomes. And many of us have probably stepped out in faith before and been disappointed because you didn't get an answered prayer or that family member didn't come back to God or perhaps you've even had a loved one passed away that you were praying for or another traumatic or tragic event. And I do not want to make light of that. But that does not discount the fact that what Jesus says in the Word is truth. Truth. That when we have a mountain in our life, we can speak to the mountain and see it move. See, faith is not outcome-based. It's obedience-based. Anytime you focus your faith on outcomes, you've actually missed the point of what God says. Because faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. So you can't focus your faith on the outcome of an answered prayer or a miracle. We have to focus our faith on the one who gives us faith. There's plenty of scriptures that talk about their faith or even your faith has made you well. But it's not their faith in themselves. It's their understanding and revelation from going up the mountain and going, I actually see this. I see what God has said. I see. I'm having a revelation. I'm knowing and understanding more of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. In me and in you. Every believer here has the same Holy Spirit. No junior Holy Spirits. You've probably heard that before. And when I felt prompted to share on faith tonight I'm aware that in any room there is such a difference of what your faith in Christ and mine might look like. But I tell you something that I do know is the truth. That any time we are willing to take even one small step of faith it's not about comparison to the next person. It's about our willingness to partner with the Holy Spirit. Faith is not about us having to win a battle because Jesus has already won it. It's simply actually stepping out in his spiritual authority that he's already given us. You know, a number of years ago, um, I actually did something that at the time I wasn't sure if it was theologically correct. <gasps> Everyone, don't get shocked. It's all right. When I tell you the story, you won't be too shocked. My grandfather, his name was Richard Holland, was a man of great faith. And I really loved him, but when, when he passed away before that time, I actually wasn't in ministry at all. And after he passed away, a number of years after he passed away, the Lord was speaking to me about faith and also about legacy, about how God is a generational God. You know, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, but he's also a God who wants to take us from glory to glory. You know, some of you sitting here are sitting here on the shoulders of what has come before in your family. Others of you might be the first in your generation to believe in God. But the Lord was speaking to me. And in the same way that Elisha said to Elijah, can I have a double portion of your mantle? And Elijah said, if you're with me, when I pass away, you can have it. I said to the Lord, I wasn't sure if this was theologically correct. So just just go with me here actually said to the Lord, Lord, I really honor my grandfather's faith. He had, a, he had a gift of faith. He wasn't just a man of faith. He had a gift of faith. And so I said to the Lord, Lord, I know he's passed. But I said, I'm asking you, Lord, don't get me wrong. I was not praying to my grandfather. I need to say that in case someone's hearing me incorrectly right now. I said, with all genuineness, Lord, I believe you want the legacy started by my grandfather who started an amazing Pentecostal church in Melbourne to continue through the generations. And so I said, Lord, I'm asking you for the gift of faith that my grandfather had. I'm asking you for the gift of faith that my grandfather had. And then I asked also for his gift of healing and his gift of word of knowledge and a few other things. Now, you might think that's greedy, but let me tell you something. You cannot have greedy and kingdom prayers in the same sentence. There's no such thing. I wasn't asking for me. I was asking because I believe my Bible, and my Bible says, These things and greater shall you do. And I'm like, God, I need an impartation. I need an impartation of something, God, because right now I know my faith is lacking. And I need a greater revelation and understanding. So I'm asking God in faith. I'm asking you in faith for something that sounds actually ridiculous. But I'm asking for it because I believe you want me to carry something. Now, I didn't have any sudden zap. I didn't have anything suddenly happen the next day or the next week. I didn't suddenly start praying for people and they all got healed and slain in the spirit and jumping around. And I haven't walked on water and I certainly haven't raised the dead. But I tell you what I did start doing. Before I saw the evidence of anything, I started to step out. Because faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. So I said, all right, I've asked for it, God. I'm going to step out. I'm going to pray for this person who needs healing. I'm going to, when it's appropriate, say, I believe there's someone in the room with this going on right now. And step out. I'm going to step out and witness to someone when you want me to. I'm going to step out in faith and give when you call me to. I'm going to take whatever step of faith it is that you're asking me to do. And the more I have gone up the mountain with the Lord, the greater that faith has grown. And I'm actually not going to tell you about outcomes. Because I don't want this to be reliant on outcomes. Have I seen some healings and miracles? Yes, I have. Have I seen some deliverances? Yes. Am I satisfied? No. Not even a little bit. I love what I see and I'm excited because God is moving. But I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry for more of Him to be manifest in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm hungry for more of Him because I believe the Lord is calling the church to step up into the faith that He is calling us. Believers of faith. Disciples who are actually willing to step out of the boat. David McCracken says a lot of people want to walk on water, but not many people want to step out of the boat. And two of the greatest things, that stop faith or put a lid on faith, is fear of failure, which I mean by that fear of getting it wrong or mucking it up or not having a good outcome, and fear of man. What am I going to look like? And I tell you what the Lord spoke to me. When we have a fear of man and it's based in what am I going to look like, the Lord said to me, our greatest revelation up the mountain is what the image of Jesus is. The image of Jesus is the image of the invisible God, it says. And so when we focus on fear of man, we are focusing on the image of self. When God says, take up your cross, deny yourself, He's not just talking about, oh, put aside a couple of things that get in the way. He's talking about deny the image of self that gets in the way of the image of me. The image of self The fear of man that grips our hearts at times, that gets in the way of the image of the invisible God. Because we are called to be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. The representation, the same way as Jesus said, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is calling us to be His representation here on earth. And so tonight, I want to pray with us, and then I want to activate our faith. Are you ready, church? Are you ready, church? I feel like we're going to break a few lids off tonight. We're going to break some limitations off tonight. And I'm going to ask you to partner with me in that. You know, I just want to remind you of one final thing. When we read Scripture, what we've read tonight, but when you read Scripture, remember this with faith. Scripture represents or presents to us God's full and original intention for us as believers. But then we have to partner with that and step into it. A lot of believers with faith, and this is something the Lord's been speaking to me on, a lot of believers with faith and even with other things in our Christian walk, we want to feel it, before we step it. You know, people, people are like, oh, it's okay for you. I'm like, are you kidding? If I told you my faith steps that I had to step out into where I'm like, this is ridiculous, God. Right now, what you're asking me to do is flaming ridiculous. Right? Have we all had those moments? But I tell you what, the greatest breakthrough comes where you go, I don't care how ridiculous it is anymore, God. I'm just so willing And so hungry to see you move that I will step into the ridiculous. That I will declare your word as truth. And so I'm going to encourage us tonight to come into agreement with Steps of Faith. To partner together. But not just tonight. To actually see something stirred in your heart. That when you walk out the door you begin to partner with those Steps of Faith out of the revelation that you see by going up the mountain. Because remember, you can't move the mountain until you go up the mountain. You want to step out and say, mountain be moved, but you're not spending time with God? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. God's a faithful God, but we have to rely on who He is. And we can only see who He is in the place of intimacy. Otherwise, we're relying on self. And so as Scripture presents God's full and original intention and purpose for us as the church, we have to understand that when we haven't even seen the outcome of faith yet, we ha- when we haven't seen the miraculous occur, we've got to understand it's still God's intention. And I want to encourage you not to make a theology out of disappointments. Sometimes we speak theology to create things out of disappointments because we go well you know maybe that wasn't God's will and intention after all you know maybe God had a purpose in that suffering it sounds noble but if we're truly believing for his kingdom to come here on earth there's no sickness in heaven there's no pain in heaven there's no separation from him in heaven it's His will that none should perish. And so we don't take it on ourselves as responsibility in a weight or a burden. But let's not also create a theology that's anti-scriptural or even a corruption of Scripture to say, oh no, it's okay, God made them sick for a purpose. Uh-uh. 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 I think I've got my mama's voice on there. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mama's talking. Mama's talking. And here's my final challenge to you. The Lord's been speaking to me about what faith truly looks like. And as He did, I actually got a picture of some people who are not believers, but who at times have much greater faith than believers. And I was actually grieved in my heart And the Lord showed me a picture of people who had a word from their tarot card reading or their astrology sign will change the whole course of their day and week and life because of a word, because of their faith in that word. Some people in the world have so much faith in their own strength and physical bodies that they place all their strength and energy towards that. And they will put faith in themselves. Now, I'm not saying it's the right faith. But there's people in the world who have more faith in what they believe than believers have in Jesus Christ. Some people have so much faith in their money and their wealth that they base all their decisions and circumstances around that. And even though there's a gift of faith, and I'm going to ask in a minute for some responses, and then we're going to activate this together. The interesting thing is that you need faith to activate every gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually can't activate a gift of the Spirit, and I'm talking both the gifts of the Spirit that we talk about, like gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge, healing, etc., but also every other gift, mercy, leadership, serving. And you might say, oh, hang on, I can do that without. Well, if you do without faith, then it's, then it's not the gift of the Spirit. It's simply done in your own strength. You see, you can show kindness to someone when it's in your heart already to do so because you're a kind person. But it takes the gift of faith to show mercy and kindness to someone who has hurt and grieved you to the point that you're actually showing Jesus' love to them. So we need faith to activate everything that the Spirit is asking us to do. And it's not a weight of responsibility. This is actually about running light and free. It's actually about removing everything of self so that we can just say, God, I trust in your Word and I'm going to activate it now. And it's not about outcome. I'm believing your Word right now and I'm declaring it. I'm not letting anything else come out my mouth. But like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, I believe you can and I believe you will. But even if you don't, I'm still going to praise you and I'm still going to step out in faith tomorrow.